So let's pray before we get into the Word. Lord, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We're so grateful. We're grateful that we're redeemed from the curse of the law. We're so grateful for Your blood, Jesus. Lord, we, we want an awareness this morning of how great You are. Your love and Your mercy. That we would comprehend how much You love us. We comprehend how much You love our neighbors. Father, may we get a glimpse of how great You are. May we get a glimpse of Your mercy and Your love and Your compassion. Father, help us see the harvest as You see it. Father, You gave Your life for us. It's the least we can do is to to have our marching orders in this hour to launch out and to do more in a short period of time. So, Father, I ask You for, for help for every household in this room. Strengthen them. Give them a renewed boldness to do Your will. I ask You for a renewal of spiritual ambition to walk with God, to minister for You, to be Your spokesman in the earth. Every person in this room I ask you, Father, that they all finish their course with joy. And Lord, we thank you for for a massive articulation of the resurrection in this day. That the resurrection would be made known. That the resurrection would be brought to light. That it would be Easter every day for all of us. That Jesus was raised from the dead. Lord, we honor you this morning. We magnify you this morning. We exalt you this morning. We lift you up in this room. Thank you for dying for us. We give you glory and honor and praise. I thank you for your blessings upon this church. Lord, we thank you for supernatural favor upon Life Church. What you've called this church to do in this community, in this state, in this region. We thank you for a a haven, a, a safe haven of the glory of the Lord. That people could come from all around and hear of your goodness. We thank you for it, Father. We give you glory and give you honor and praise. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. Grab your Bibles there and turn if you would. Now you pick out the chapter. We'll see if you're flowing. Come on. Uh, why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to John. And we'll pick up here and see how far we go in this service. And uh, praise the Lord. I'm so glad you came. Go to John chapter uh, 7. And if you're a visitor, make sure you come back and hear Pastor Mark. Uh, he sings opera on every other Sunday. So, I mean, it won't work to them. I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, uh, please come back and hear him. And uh, he has a grace on his life to help you. You know, the pastor's office exudes decency and the traveling guy exudes urgency. So I might say something this morning and go, I can't believe he said that. Well, I've got one shot at kind of spurring you on a little bit. So let me, you know, poke at you a little bit so we do the will of God, all right? Grab your Bibles there and turn to John 7 and we'll get right into the Word. John chapter 7, look at verse number 37, very familiar verse, we know this. John chapter 7, verse 37. And that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah, I like that. I like verse 39, he explains this. He says in verse 39, This spake he of the Spirit, that they that believe on him should receive... For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus Jesus is specifically speaking of a time that after He's glorified, after He's gone to to the right hand of the Father, He's poured out His blood on the mercy seat and made us so perfect, so holy, so pure that we could be a container of the holiness of God. That we are so holy that He could feel at home in our bodies. That He could come to reside on the inside of us. And Him residing on the inside of us, there would come a time where all all of a sudden he'd be so full on the inside of us, he'd start pouring out of us. You are the containers of God in this dispensation. Hallelujah. Amen. I like it. God likes mobile homes. Amen. 
You're a mobile throne. Praise the Lord. So you're a mobile throne going somewhere for God to flow out of you. And Jesus said, you believe on me, this will happen. Not maybe, not if you do everything just right. He said, you believe on me. It's all about him. Let's get our minds off of us. Let's get our minds on him. Hallelujah. Come on. Death couldn't hold him down. He was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Overcame death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. So we, we know what a conqueror he is. And throughout all eternity, a billion, a trillion, a quabillion, I don't know how you add up all the years from now, we'll look back on, on our, our dad, our God, coming down and giving his life for us that we could be just like him. Hallelujah. And forever we'll have an allegiance to him because even though we have free will, he did it freely to give his life for us. Hallelujah. So we see this, this verse here. He said, you believe on me, something will happen in your life. You believe on me, something will start pouring out of you. He called it rivers of living water. Now, when I was a kid, you know, my mom would take us to meetings in 1970, 71, 72, 73, and I heard this song over and over and over and over again. I've got a river of life flowing out of me, makes the lame to walk, the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And I remember as I began to travel and preach, I preached on this as much as I could, and how to get the power through you, not just to you. And this is the whole season we're in right now. We've had a lot of messages how to get it to us. Remember John 15, 7? If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done unto who? You. And that's good. We've had to learn that. This whole season is how to get it through you, not just to you. You never see Jesus walking on the earth going, everybody pray for me. Stretch your hands out toward me so I can make it. No, everywhere Jesus went, he was stretching out his hands to be a blessing. So somehow the body of Christ, we've got to switch over from being needy to where we've got all we need to where we can be a blessing. We have to lose that victim mentality of like, well, I've been going through the storm and going through the trial. And I mean, it's amazing how we love to kind of dwell on the hell we went through. Well, the hell you go through is to get you to back away from your boldness. Okay, so, you know, and it's amazing how in the last four or five years, maybe ten years, the hell people go through has been kind of glorified. Oh, I'm just going through a trial and God's perfecting me and getting me ready. Going through hell and going through trials does not get you ready. It tries to destroy you. Amen? If going through trials got us ready, we'd be going in the dark at night. Isn't that right? Come on now. If going through hell made us more powerful, I'd be walking on water today. I'd just go right out and go check this out, man. I've gone through enough hell. I can fly through the room with the greatest of ease. Come on. So, so that's an all religious mentality. Because if that's true, let's just all go get some flu today so we can be blessed of the Lord. Because I surely want to learn how to obey God. So if that's really true, let's go get some bubonic plague and let's take all we can get. Because I sure would want to fight the Lord. See how stupid that is? So the tra- tests and trials have come against us in the last years uh, so that we would back away from that kind of walk like Jesus walked. You know the verse I've quoted here many times. Uh, uh, if you say that He abides in you, you will walk even as He walked. Remember John, the epistle of John, chapter 2. If you say that He lives in you, it will alter your walk. Hallelujah. If I'm not walking just like Jesus, then i got to find out what I have living in me. Is it religion? Because tradition will tell me I can't measure up to that. Tradition will tell me, well, who do you think you are? When the Bible tells me I'm born of God. I'm His offspring. Now, we know that, but there has to be a shift in our thinking. I'm Him in the earth. Amen. 
Well, that goes over real good. We know that, praise the Lord. But somehow we have to go from I came to the service to get healed to I came to the service because I'm so blessed. I'm going to get so tanked up that everybody I come in contact with, they're going to be set free. Remember, I was preaching in a service years ago down in Corpus Christi. Hang with me. I'm going to get to my message here in just a minute. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I was preaching down in Corpus Christi. And, uh, man, it was a bad service. You know what I'm saying? Supernaturally bad. I mean, it was one of those kind of services where uh, uh, I probably said some things to make people mad or whatever, you know, because I'm trying to say some things to, to push people a little bit. So I may have bothered somebody. I don't know. See, it was just flat as a pancake. You know what I mean? Just dry. I mean, it should have been rolling water toward me while I was preaching. Just dry as corn shelf. So I told the Lord, I went back to the hotel. Thank you. He's, I, I used to do that to, to Tony Caminetti. I'd say, hey, I'd roll it right out there to him. So I'm reaping what I sow, praise the Lord. So it was just so dry. And um, so I went back to the hotel. I said, Lord, if you want to do something in the service tonight, you just do it. You know what I mean? I was just frustrated. I was agitated. I said, Lord, you want to do something in the service tonight, just do it. I went back to the hotel. I said, I'm going to watch golf all day. And uh, in fact, I watched Fred Couples win the Masters Golf Tournament that day. It was powerful. It was 1992. And because uh, I was mad because I had tried so hard to have a good service. So I thought, I'm watching golf all day. I told the Lord, I was just frustrated. I said, I'm not doing nothing. If you want to do something, just have at it. Have a great time. Well, he knows how you think anyway. Might as well be honest with him. Come on. You know, I wasn't going to walk around my room. Yay, I know it shall be a great service tonight because it was such a great service this morning. No, it was horrible. So I said, Lord, I, you know, that was just me being in the flesh. That's not how you should do it. I said, you know, I said, Lord, I'm frustrated. I, I'm going to watch golf. So I watched Fred Couples win the Masters, and that was awesome. So I came back to the service that night, and I'm thinking, man, I've been watching golf all day. I haven't been studying. I haven't been praying. Because I turned back then, was a tape player, and I listened to music to get my heart ready and pray in tongues. Now you got the iPod. I can put Wayne Stevens on listen to him sing about the blood while I'm getting ready. It's just amazing what the technology. So I'm watching golf instead of getting ready to get to the service that night. I'm thinking, man, I haven't been listening to music. I haven't been praying. I haven't been getting my heart ready. And uh, so I get to the service that night, and all of a sudden the presence of God comes in. I'm thinking, man, what's up with this? The pastor's name is Jim Harris. It was a wooden podium like this. All of a sudden he grabs a hold of the podium. He falls over. The podium falls over. I look up, and there's Jesus standing on the platform, the head of the church. Of all times to have Jesus show up, I've been watching golf all day. I haven't been praying. <laughs> I go, I go, you know how that's just not the way it should be. So Jesus stands over here on the platform. He's got a white robe and a, and a burgundy uh, sash. And he points his finger at me and screams. You know how we think it wants to be, we want to have a real cool experience. And he, he yells at me. He goes, tell them I did miracles as a man. Tell them I cast out devils as a man. Tell them. Well, he screamed. Tell them. Just like that. I walked on the water as a man, not as God. Because, see, religion wants to tell us, well, we can't do what Jesus did because he came and operated like that. He came and operated under the old covenant. We've preached it many times here before. He operated under the authority of the old covenant, walked on the water with the authority of the old covenant. Well, I'll come preach to you, buddy. Amen. Here, scoot over. I'm going to sit right here. Amen. He walked on the water with the authority of the old covenant, did miracles because of the old covenant, and did what he was called to do under the old covenant. Yes, and my friend, you have, a, you have an elder brother that kind of paved the way for you that says, you know what, I did this under old. Guess what you can do under new? Come on, come on. And, and religion tells us, well, I'll come back to you again. <laughs> religion, tells, religion tells us, well, who do you think you are? But isn't it amazing how the devil will immediately go to your background? Who do you think you are? Where did you come from? That's where you throw God's background right into his face. I've been born of him. This is my heritage. My heritage. Come on. My heritage is of him. 
Come on, my righteousness is of him. You start throwing that back in his face, there's nothing to do about it. Come on, because this morning you're spotless. You're pure. You're holy. As he is, so are we in this world. Well, we've learned that over the years to get a platform for the Lord to flow through us so that we can see, wow, we can actually do this. Because if Jesus did it as a man, that's what we are. Isn't it amazing that when you have someone possessed of the devil, they do not want to say that Jesus came in the flesh. Because when they say Jesus came in the flesh, that a man came in the flesh and defeated him on the devil's own turf. Hallelujah. Jesus went about doing good. Amen. Under old covenant authority, just whipping the devil everywhere he went. To the point that the devils used to yell out, Are you come to torment us before before the time? He just walked in the room and they'd yell out, What are you doing messing with us? There is a presence in you that every time you get around cancer, every time you get around disease, that's what that disease is saying when you get around it. Are you come to torment us before the time? Come on now. Cancer preaches to people louder than the word of faith people preach to cancer. Come on. I've heard so many people, oh, so-and-so's got cancer. They have a real reverence for it. I don't have a reverence for cancer, but I do have a reverence for the name of Jesus. Come on. So God has put that in all of us so that he has something to work with right before he comes because he wants to do some harvesting in a short period of time. In the book of Acts, he did it in a grand fashion. So let's go back here and look at 1 Corinthians and watch and see how the Lord did it back here so that we can see. In the book of Acts, we see an instant manifestation of the glory of the Lord. We see Acts 2, we see Acts 3, we see Acts 4. We see God intervening to help the church. It wasn't about their slick preaching. They just knew they'd been authorized. Peter Peter didn't stand up and say, now I'm such a great preacher, check this out. He just knew that Jesus said, I'm not here, you be me. And they figured that out. Now we, we've been taught that so much that almost it kind of bores us, doesn't it? Oh, authority, yawn, you know what I'm saying? Well, no, it, there, there's something about it that when you have Jesus' authority, it, it scares the devil. So of course the devil would want to make us think that's boring. You look at Smith Wigglesworth's books and we think of all the things that he did. Look at the titles and the chapters. Righteousness, the name of Jesus authority, all the things that we kind of yawn at sometimes that aren't quite Hollywood enough for us, they are the platform that we've been hearing the last 30 years that produce, come on now, produce something that God can work with in the earth because we're finally realizing what our destiny really is. We're Him in the earth. So let's go back here and look at 1 Corinthians and watch how God's going to do this. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. And we'll start here with these rivers. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 1. It's page 219 if you've got a Bible like mine. So go here to verse 1 of 1 Corinthians. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I'd not have you ignorant or misinformed. Notice this. He doesn't want us misinformed about the manifestations of the glory of the Lord. Now the word gifts there is in italics. So we know that was added. So look up the word spiritual there. In the W.E. Vines it says, Some of the appointed activities of the Holy Ghost... In the church. So we know he's not to be dormant. He's to be moving. That's why Jesus compared him to rivers. You know, I used to preach that. You know, uh, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And the Lord says, why don't you be scriptural? I go, what do you mean why don't I be scriptural? I'm using that verse right there in John. He said, well, I said there'd be rivers flowing out of you, not a river. Come on now. Because we so want to always try to downplay what we really have. Because we, we have a multitude of manifestations of the glory of the Lord that are to radiate out of the church. If He's there, He should be manifesting. If He's not manifesting, I wonder if He's there. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. If He's not manifesting, He's probably not there. If He's not manifesting, He's probably not there. You get enough water in something, it will start coming out. 
You fill up a bottle full of water and you get it full enough, it'll start coming out. If it's there and it's full enough, it'll start coming out. So here the Lord, through Paul, talking to the church at Corinth, he said, now concerning these activities of the Holy Ghost in the church, don't be misinformed. Because if you're misinformed, you draw back. If you're misinformed, you say, well, I can't operate in that. Just like in the military. I've never seen anybody in the military. They go, hey, you know what? Welcome to the army. Here's the keys to your tank. You know, they take you, they take you through basic training. They show you your 45. But if I was in the military, I'll tell you right now, if I was in the infantry, I know exactly what I'd want to do. I'd want a couple of bazookas strapped over here. I'd want a 50 caliber right here on wheels so I could wheel it with me. I'd want an AR-15. I'd want grenades. I'd want a grenade launcher. I'd want all the equipment I could get. And yet the church is laden with all this stuff called harvesting tools and we sometimes don't even comprehend what's on us. In the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Jesus compared it to clothing. He said you would be endued with power from on high. You have a glory, you have a clothing on you that we've got to learn to yield to. Just like in the military, a guy goes out in the field and he's got a bazooka and they're all coming toward him. He goes, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Use your bazooka. It's just like the church going, how are we going to harvest? And we have all this stuff on us. You know, it's amazing how what we have on us, sometimes we forget. You've got glory on you. You've got power on you. We get so caught up in our frailties. I can't believe I'm going to do this. But remember, uh, when he talks about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he's talking about a covering. You know, years ago I was preaching in England. And uh, I went in to check out the suits there on what's the place called uh, Savile Row, you know, where the suits are. Because I was wanting to get me a suit that was bulletproof. You know what I'm saying? I was wanting to get something that's going to last forever. So I walked in there and I said, hey, what makes your suit better than the other guys? And this is what the guy did. He immediately started going like this. He goes, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. He got the jacket on me like this. And he goes, well, see this extra material right here? He says, you're afflicted is what he called me. I said, well, thank you very much. God bless you too. <laughs> he goes, no, you're afflicted because, see, my left one doesn't do it. My right one does because my right shoulder slopes because I'm throwing the football all my life. He goes, what do you do to your shoulder? I said, I love football. Throw football. So he goes, I'll tell you what we'll do. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll tuck your armholes here and we'll put a little pad in the shoulder to make your stance look right. He says, what I'm trying to do <laughs> is make you look taller and thinner. Because, see, I've been growing, but I've been growing this way, not this way. I'm the perfect weight. I'm just not the perfect height, all right? I've got the weight part down. I just don't have the height part down. So what he's trying to do, he's trying to hide my faults and my frailties. And I'm sitting here going, Lord, what is this? He, and, and he goes, well, he's trying to hide your, your imperfections. And that's what happens in Acts chapter 2 when the glory of God comes on you in spite of your faults, in spite of your frailties, you've got some clothing on you. It's the glory of the Lord. It'd be just like if I came in today. I can't believe I'm going to do this. But what if I came in today like this? What if I walked in and I said, Hey, good to see everybody. How's it going? Now, wouldn't you think something's wrong? I guarantee you, I, I would hope one of the ushers would go, Hey, man, so something's up with your suit, buddy. It's wrong. And it'd be kind of hard to walk around, hey, good to see everybody, how's it going? Because you kind of lose your coolness when you look like a, you know, whatever, because you're, you're not tailored right, see? And in Acts chapter 2, when the glory of the Lord comes on you, in spite of what you even realize, you get tailored, you get fit, you get retrofitted for the harvest. That's why Jesus said, don't even leave the, 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 the city limits until you get this on you. Now, we've learned this, but we have forgotten what we have on us. Come on now. We have this on us. We have these tools. And Paul said about the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, don't be misinformed. You have some harvesting tools that God used in the book of Acts to literally get cities saved. And yet we think, well, okay, I'm building up my authority so I can, I can take care of this and take care of that. You've learned all these things so that you're going to be a candidate 
for, for cities to be altered. So watch what he says. Let's go down a little further. Hang with me. Go down to verse 4. He says, There are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but it's the same Lord. He said, There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God, which works all in all. He said, It's just like a river. You never see any two rivers that are exactly alike. They're always different. They're always a different kind of... You don't see a river that goes this way and cuts this way. It's boring. There's always God always has it to where the Holy Ghost will just move and He'll bless, He'll heal, He'll manifest. He's a person. So let's go down and watch what He says in verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every preacher to profit with all. Now let's read it again. Look at verse 7. You still with me? How many still glad you came today? Come on now. Still with me? Look. Look at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So he says the shining forth of that glory is given to every man to bring benefit. So when, when the Holy Ghost is in operation, there'll be benefit. Why did so many churches back away from the manifestations of the Holy Ghost? Because it usually wasn't the Holy Ghost. I think I'll do Elvis on that. Because when the Holy Ghost is in manifestation, He won't scare people. He'll bless people. So we kind of took some things sometimes to an extreme. But He says here the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to bring profit. Or there'll be a blessing or a benefit. And then He begins to list some harvesting tools here to show you how benefited you'll be. But this is not about you receiving it. It's about you carrying it and you manifesting it. But if we don't realize what we have, it's hard to yield to it. Now, we, we've learned the Word, know the Word, and that's good. Good for us. Here's a cookie. But yet we have some harvesting tools, just like right now. If you're a harvester, uh, I have some friends that are uh, corn farmers out in Nebraska. And, you know, years ago they harvested a certain way. And now, man, they, they have combines. They just do things differently than they did 50 years ago. In the old days, it was all manual. Now, they've got, they listen to music. They've got air conditioning. It's just a totally different deal. So the equipment's different. So harvesting sped up. Things are easier. God's got some manifestations here He wants to do to make things easier and things to be sped up a little bit. So watch what He says here in verse 7. The manifestation or the shining forth, that's the Greek word phanerosis. It means a shining forth or a radiation. Hallelujah. The radiation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So He goes to list some of these in verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, another the working of miracles, another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. I like verse 11. But all these worketh, they don't fail. All these worketh that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It's weird how the church got on the ditch on one end of the deal going, well, the Holy Ghost can move however He wants, so I'm going to sit back and wait. This whole chapter is about you getting so acquainted with Him that you're ready for Him to flow through you, that you bring enough authority and power to the table that at any given moment He can radiate in things that are way beyond what we can even imagine. Can you imagine speaking to a farmer 200 years ago going, oh, by the way, we're going to harvest more in one day than you used to do in three weeks. He'd go, you're crazy. See, we, we get so thought, our thought pattern gets so limited, but yet when God starts getting on the inside of us, He starts thinking, I'm going to reach a city, not reach two or three people. So here he said, all these work of that one and self same spirit, dividing to, severally, to, to severally every man as he will. So we got this thought pattern. Well, he's not willing to do these things because it's just going to be a quiet service. No, he's trying to get us ready and willing and able to cooperate with him so that he can do what he wants to do. The number one thing God wants to do all the time, he wants to love on people and wants to bless them. He wants to help people and wants to assist them. So obviously the devil would fight this to make us so limited to where we're just only praying for ourselves all the time 
So we've got to switch over to that point where I'm so blessed, I'm caring so much that everybody I come in contact with, I'm going to be ready for the Lord to use me. So then he goes over in the next verse. Look at verse 12. For as the body is one, hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. So then he begins to talk about all the individual parts of the body. And of course, over the years and time past, we missed it and messed it up going, well, you know, so-and-so is an apostle, so he can have that in operation, but I can't have that in operation. When yet, if you read this, you see that it doesn't matter what part you are, you're still in the body. doesn't matter if you're an apostle or a prophet or a believer. doesn't matter what part you are, you're still got to be ready. In fact, if you're not a prophet, you got to be more ready for these than the prophet would. Because the prophet would have that with their office, meaning us as believers got to be more anticipating the glory of God than someone in the gift ministries. That didn't go over very good. I think I might walk over some chairs. Come on. This whole chapter is about, you say, well, the elbow goes, well, I'm not out in front of everybody like the face. No, the elbow's got to be more in operation. The back's got to be more in operation. It's just like in the military. You don't see a general or a captain or, have you ever seen a colonel go out on the field and go, give me the bazooka? No, you see an infantryman operating more power than the captain. Come on now. You see a basic level infantryman deal with more power than a general would. The infantry guy goes, hey, I got my hand on the button. We're about to nuke somebody. The general may say, go ahead and do it. But the guy that's got his hands on the power is probably just a low-level man. We keep wanting to be exalted when God's got us exalted already. Well, you know, when I get to that level, when I get to that place, maybe the Lord can use me. Guess what? He brought you to that level. He quickened you. He raised you. He seated you. Where you're sitting right now is at the highest place of authority there ever was or ever will be at the right hand of the majesty on high. And when you say it is written, it's coming right out of the throne, right out of you because you're there. Hallelujah. So we, we have this ability to learn these things so that we not just have knowledge about them, but learning about them gets us bolder about them. Just like right now, I love guns. I have a 45 with two 15-shot clips. I have a 32 caliber. I have a 9-millimeter Eastern Mackerel. The more I learn about guns, the, the, the more accustomed I am about dealing with them. If you throw somebody a 45 that's never shot a pistol before, they're like, what in the world do I do with this? Well, if they shot a pistol before, they grab it and they know how to deal with it. When it comes to the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, He wants us versed so we know how to handle the Spirit of the living God. Rather than drawing back, we go, wow, I'll jump in that river and I'll flow with Him. I'll go right with him rather than buck him. Amen? Because my friend, he wants to flow, not be stagnant. If you'll notice, the only place where the Dead Seas are is where there's no outlet. The Dead Sea in Israel has no outlet. If you, if you never have an outlet, you become stagnant. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. That goes over really good. Woo, preach it, Brother Joe. It's all over you. But my friend, in this hour, we'll see Jesus... We'll see Jesus via the Holy Spirit doing things in a short period of time that we can hardly even imagine. Now watch, you'll see a fresh revelation about the name of Jesus. It'll come to the forefront in your life. You'll just go, what is that? And it'll be simplistic authority in the wonderful name of Jesus. It'll be almost like you have a comprehension. His name was given by conquest. His name was given by bestowal. It'll be all these different things that'll come to you that we've all heard over the years. You know what I'm saying? You say, well, I know that and I've heard that. Well, good for you. Here's a cookie. But all of a sudden it becomes more real to you. Yes. Just like Mark 11:23, We read Mark 11:23, 23 and it becomes more real to us because we've heard it over and over and over again. 
Well, there's a season that we're in right before we're raptured where he's going to harvest more in a short period of time. So we've got to cooperate with him, get acquainted with him. You watch, there'll be a, a season of, uh, of angels appearing. There'll be a season of the glory of the Lord. There'll be seasons where the presence of God will come in. People won't be able to stand. They'll be out on the power for hours. We'll come out of the meeting and go, what was that? It'll be like the days of old. You watch, it'll be the glory of the Lord on the church. And it will not be to have slick services. It will be to get people set free. You'll see people come in that were not in their right mind. The glory of the Lord comes in, they're in their right mind. You'll see manifestations of what heaven is really like. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't it something that all of a sudden in your life you can experience what heaven is really like? All of a sudden, manifestations of the glory of the Lord. Oh, come on now. We have great things in store for our lives. There is nothing bad for your life, only great things in store. Hallelujah. You know, I remember years ago I was preaching down in Jacksonville. We're going to get to some of this power here in just a minute. Well, I know we'll get there in a minute, but we will eventually. Praise the Lord. Help me, Jesus. Uh, I was preaching down in Jacksonville, Florida. I was preaching in this buddy of mine's church, and the night before I had a vision about another pastor that was a pastor in Jacksonville. And this pastor of this church had let this other guy come and use his building. So the night before the meeting, I'll never forget it, I saw this man and his wife. They were out loading their car. And in this vision, I saw the wife loading the car by herself. I know that she was concerned where her husband was, and she was holding on to the baby carrier, you know, what do you call it, the, uh, the car carrier, the baby rides in. Well, you know, it's been a long time since I've had a baby. Anyway, what do you call it? Uh, car seat, yeah. Yes, car seat. Uh, the, 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 the pastor's wife was holding on to the car seat and she was laboring trying to load luggage in the trunk and try to hold on to the car seat because the husband was not there. And I knew what it was. So the next night in the service, I saw them sitting in the back. They'd come over to visit that other church. I said, hey, I want to talk to you after the service. I said, man, I had a vision about you last night. And, and I told the husband and the wife, I said, you know what? It's going to look like you're not going to live. I said, it's going to look like your wife's going to have to load the car by herself and hold that baby seat. But you know what? You're going to be fine. The devil's a liar. He can't take your life. And that couple just kind of looked at me like, yeah, whatever. You know, and I didn't do it like this. I should have said, thus saith the Lord. There's an attack coming that will be grander than any attack you've ever felt. You know, that's kind of how we want it, you know. And and it was so non-Hollywood uh, that I told that couple that exactly like I'd seen it in the vision. Now, what that vision was was a word of wisdom. Is a warning of the future. And what that vision was, it looked like that pastor was going to die and that woman was going to have to raise her kid by herself. Well, I told him what I saw, but I didn't do it Hollywood enough. Well, it was about two or three years later. Two or three years later, the pastor's wife called me and says, Hey, you have to pray. So-and-so's in the hospital. So the doctor said he's going to die tonight. I said, He's not going to die tonight. Remember what the Lord showed you three years ago, that it was going to look like he's going to die, but he ain't going to die. And, and that woman goes, That's right. The Lord told us that. Because, see, sometimes that we, we want it to be so Hollywood that we miss things that are supernatural. That's right. But my friend, he's going to—he's not just going to do revelation. That's a word of wisdom. He's going to do word of knowledge. He's going to do discerning of spirits. There's going to be an opening to that realm yes. to where the equipment that you're laden with will become more aware of it. And with that, you watch. We'll be harvesting in a, more in a short period of time. That's why I want to switch over to some of these power things for a minute. The power gifts, we know, are the working of miracles, special faith, and gifts of healings. 
we're living in a season where God will help us. Because yeah. on our own, we can only do so much. We can preach the Word. He'll confirm the Word with signs following. But my friend, in the book of Acts, you see some divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. And I like the ordinary course of nature. I like in a suspension. The accustomed order would be for things to be just on par. We don't want things to be on par. We want revival. We want the glory of the Lord. We want miraculous intervention in all of our lives. So we see when the power gives an operation, God can do a lot more in a short period of time. Like in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John going up to the gate called Beautiful. What happened? The lame man was raised up and, and 5,000 people got saved. It wasn't because of John's preaching. It wasn't because of Peter's preaching. It was the Holy Ghost helping them. And Peter stood up and said, Hey, don't look at us as though our own power holiness made this man to walk. His name through faith in his name. So Peter told us what a whole platform for all the, the glory of the Lord would be. Just basic faith in the name of Jesus. We so tried to complicate it, but look what was on the early church, and they didn't even know what it was. But they did know about the name. And then you go another step further. You go over to Acts chapter 9. Look at this one. Look at Acts 9 for just a moment. Skip over there for a little bit, and let's watch and see how the Lord got some cities saved. If He did it in the beginning, He'll do it at the end. Hallelujah. Look at Acts 9 for just a moment. Look at this real briefly. Acts chapter 9. Look at this. Look at Acts 9 verse 30-something. You pick out the verses. Hallelujah. Look at Acts 9 verse 32. And it came to pass... As Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. Look at verse 33. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Arise, make your bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt at Lydda and Sarah saw him and turned to the Lord. Well, you see the gift of special faith in operation. All of a sudden, Peter walks in. He didn't say, Now, Aeneas, just get ready to stand on the word. He says, Jesus makes you whole. Arise and make your bed. This was an injection of God's faith for a brief moment. It's called the gift of special faith. It's not ordinary faith. If it was ordinary faith, we could go out and clean out every hospital, and that'd be wonderful. If it's ordinary faith, I'd go into every hospital and go, Hey, by the way, you're getting healed right now, whether you like it or not. But when special faith's in operation, you find yourself knowing for someone else. You can't do that on your own. You can get people that submit to you, and if they'll receive you, you can bring enough power and authority to get a miracle for them. But when the special faith's in operation, you see God doing things when people don't even receive you. When they get mad at you. I remember I was preaching in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. I walked up to this woman. had a word of knowledge. I said, you got damage in your hip. She goes, no, I don't. And I go, well, I could miss it. You know, I've missed it before. Praise the Lord. It wouldn't be the first time. I said, well, you got damage in your hip. She goes, no, I don't. I go, wow, okay. I said, it wouldn't hurt for me to pray for you. I mean, I knew it. You know, it's a word of knowledge. But there came a knowing with it called special faith. Now watch. All of a sudden, I'm going to know for her, and she doesn't even want me to pray for her. Watch. I said, you got damage in your hip. She goes, no, I don't. I, she, I go, I can see it. You got damage in your hip. No, I don't. I said, it won't hurt me to pray for you. I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you anyway. All of a sudden, I had a vision. I saw this big old long tube go right into her hip. I said, I just saw this thing got put in your hip. She goes, no, no, no. I said, I don't care. I command you. Now, this is not my faith because my faith will say, you know what? You're not even remotely agreeing with me or, or being reverent at all. You're almost being belligerent. Am I in the right room? No. I said, I command your hip to be healed. In Jesus' name. She sat down. The associate pastor would be like, be like Mickey or Alan, come pick me up at the airport. They came and picked me up. They didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. That woman had sat at her desk. She had cancer in her hip socket. Sat at that associate's pastor desk and said, the doctor put a scope in my hip. It kind of inflamed the cancer that was already there. I can't stand the pain. And in the church service, she denied it in front of everybody. Got healed of cancer. Want me to not even pray for her. Well, that wasn't my faith. I can tell you right there because I wouldn't have prayed for her. I'm thinking, I don't want to pray for you. you. You won't even yield the Holy Ghost. You're fighting me. Well, it wasn't my faith. And it obviously wasn't her faith. 
Whose faith was it? It was an injection of God's faith. His special faith, gifts of the Spirit. There's been a lot of, we've gone the other, the pendulum went the other way. We had to think all about authority. Now, and the pendulum got so far about gifts that we thought, well, if God didn't move, we couldn't do anything. No, we can, we can have miracles if the Holy Ghost is not even moving, can't we? But when special faith's in operation, you can see God moving when people don't even want to be in the room. You know what I mean? Yeah. So see, it's a, it's a knowing from heaven. It's a, it's a faith that comes on you that will not be denied. Remember Wigglesworth talked about a faith? He would pray for people, and, and his faith would go as far as it could, and all of a sudden he'd find something coming on him from heaven. Hallelujah. You remember the story where he prayed for that lady that had gone home to be with the Lord? Uh, uh, you remember when the lady had gone home to be with the Lord and he went to her funeral? Remember that? I was preaching on the God Channel up in Newcastle, England, right where Wigglesworth had gotten filled with the Spirit. And I was on the God Channel and they were interviewing me on this, like a nine-hour interview on the gifts of the Spirit. And the man interviewing me, uh, I don't even know if he was saved. So he would ask me and I'd tell him a story and he'd go, holy cow, I've never heard of this. And I was just thinking, oh, this is going to be a long interview. <laughs> he doesn't even know what the gifts of the Spirit are, much less the Holy Ghost. So, so this lady came in at, while we were taping and she began to tell me stories about Wigglesworth. And she told me this story about Wigglesworth being at that funeral. You know the story where he goes to the funeral, the lady has gone home with the Lord, and the Holy Ghost comes on him and says, raise her up. Now this is special faith in operation. Because if you could do this on your own faith, we could go to every funeral and raise everybody up we wanted. Yeah. Try it. See how it works. <laughs> it sounds good, and it's, it's awesome, but it, just see how it works. Well, Holy Ghost comes on Wigglesworth because he picks this. How many have been to a funeral before? Even in a funeral, as crazy as I am, I act pretty calm. You know what I'm saying? He goes to the funeral, picks up the dead body. How many have been to a funeral and see somebody mess with the body? <laughs> Picks up the dead body, takes her over to the wall, throws her against the wall, and she slams against the wall, and he says, walk in Jesus' name. The woman falls to the floor dead. Now, if I was Wigglesworth then, I'd say, see you later. I just, I don't, I don't, I, goodbye, see ya, God bless you, <laughs> be blessed. I probably wouldn't have come out, I wouldn't have come back. I just would have said, I'm out of here. He's not even moved, though, he's not even moved. He picks that woman up the second time. Where I'd been going to the family, sorry, sorry. I'd been walking. I'm a moron. I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. You know? He grabs the second time. He's not moved. Now, why is he not moved? Because it's really not his faith in operation. Now, he, his faith brings something to the platform, but it's really not his faith. Because if his faith, he could raise up everybody. Okay? So he, he grabs that woman the second time, throws her against the wall, and says, Walk in Jesus' name. Wow. She falls and hits the floor dead again. Buddy, that's where you, you make an exit right there. You just, you just leave. He's still not moved. Man, would, would be to God we get this in us. Remember what Brother Hagin basically followed all those years. I'm not moved by how I feel. Yeah. I'm not moved by what I see. Yeah. He said, I'm moved by the word. Where did he get that from? Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah. Well, third time, Wigglesworth throws that woman against the wall and says, walk in Jesus' name. She comes alive. She says, man, I'm in heaven talking to Jesus. All of a sudden, I hear you screaming at me, walk in Jesus' name. <laughs> How'd you like to be talking to the Lord and all of a sudden you're, you're at your funeral? How weird would that be? Well, we know that that's gifts of the Spirit in operation. How cool is that? Well, what did Wigglesworth do to bring that to the table for even having a chance for God to do that? He was bold about his ordinary faith. So there's a walk that he presented just like we've been hearing for 30 years. So God has quietly invested all this in you so that you'd have such a walk with God that you could say, someone needs healing. i got enough faith in me right now to lay hands on you you'll be healed if they'll submit themselves to you. But my friend, in this hour, there's going to be some people that don't even agree with you and there's going to, you'll have a knowing come on you for them. 
That's called special faith. You can't know for someone if you don't have authority. You, don't, you, you can't do that on your own. Just like I don't have any authority in your checkbook. I can't know for you. Or just like Mickey, I can't know that you're saved for you. I know right now that I'm saved because of my own faith. But I can't know that for you. When special faith's in operation, you know for that person. You remember Brother Hagin talked about the man, uh, he, they'd put up a certain amount of money in that meeting that the people didn't get healed and they were going to mock Kenneth Hagin. Remember that years ago? They said, we'll put up a certain amount of money to prove people didn't get healed. And you know, he's, he's, I like how ornery he is. He said, I'll put up a certain amount of money to prove they did get healed. And then the Lord said, you know, you don't need to do that. Just relax. I'll take care of you. So you remember that? He came in the meeting the next night, and there was a man on a stretcher over there, and the preachers that had put up the money to mock him were in the very back of the room. Now watch, here comes special faith. It's a knowing from heaven. He said, now watch, I'm going to point at this man on this cot. He said, I'm going to point at this man on this cot, and when I do, he's going to be raised up right in front of you, and it'll be a sign unto you that the Lord had called me to this ministry. Now, if he's not raised up, I'm a false prophet. See, it's a knowing, not a wondering. He knows. He knows for that person. All right, now, now here it comes. He points at him, boom, the man gets healed. And those preachers came up to him afterwards and said, you know, we learned some things today. Hallelujah. <laughs> I guess they did. Amen. Well, see, that, that's special faith in operation. And watch, God's going to do some things on us. I heard Kenneth Hagin prophesying about the presence of God being so in the church that people would be operating in special faith and didn't even know they were. There'd be the glory of the Lord and openness to the manifestations of the Spirit of God to where they're doing miracles because they brought such a degree of authority to the table that God can use you in everything. He'll go beyond what you bring. Yes. Oh, come on now. I was in a meeting the other day in, in, in North Carolina again. I was in Greensboro. And I was preaching in this meeting. We're having a good time. And I had a word of knowledge that someone had been in a car wreck. This lady come down. You always have weird words of knowledge about car wrecks. God likes to heal damage, not just disease, you know. So this lady came down, and man, I felt it come on me. I knew exactly what it was. I was like, wow, that's special faith. I said, how many have never seen a miracle before? few people raised their hands and said, watch this. Come on down here. I'm going to pray for this lady right now. She's going to be healed right in front of you. Well, I didn't know this lady that come down was a federal prosecuting attorney from Dallas. Her and her husband had flown there to come to the meeting. Her husband is an attorney. She's a federal prosecuting attorney. She's never been in a meeting like that. She was Islamic, had just gotten born again. So she was trying to see if this was really real. I said, how many of you have never seen a miracle before? And I'm not wondering this. I'm not stupid enough to do this if it ain't there. I'm not going, hmm, I, I'm wondering if it's there. And I want you to see how this works. If you're wondering if it's special faith, it ain't special faith. It's a knowing, not a wondering. You go, is that, I'm trying to get you. See, when you're out working with people and, and you're, you know you're supposed to go up and do something, you don't wonder if you're supposed to do something. You know it. In the book of Acts, you don't see them making any mistakes. They knew and it was there. So I told everybody, I said, how many never seen a miracle? Come on down, watch this. I got the people to come down, gathered all around the lady. The lady's standing right there, been in the car wreck. The federal prosecuting attorney standing right there. I said, watch. I went like this and the Lord told me to hit the lady in the back of the head. Kapow! Hit her right in the back of the head. She kind of do the chicken and the swan for a minute. She goes, she goes, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I said, well, there you go, right there. That's special faith. Ordinary faith would say, I'm going to lay hands on you and you'll recover. And sometimes even ordinary faith will have people act and have people do things. But special faith is a knowing from heaven. A knowing, not a wondering. I'll give you one more. I was preaching up in Charleston, Illinois. I'd come to this meeting with all these other preachers, you know. And uh, they'd made me preach in this camp meeting. And they probably, like I said, forgotten about more about the Lord than I will know in my life. So I don't really know what to do in this meeting. So I'm preaching along. The Lord says somebody has a growth 
a woman has a growth in her breast, call it out that she'll be healed. I called it out, and Ross, my buddy, is holding the microphone for me. He's got the mic like this, you know, while I'm praying for people. All of a sudden, as that lady come walking down, ordinary faith, she said, thank God the word of knowledge revealed that, but ordinary faith would say, I command you to be healed. I'd use my authority and command it. All of a sudden, special faith. I'll never forget it came on me. The Lord told me to tell that lady to go to the restroom and pour water on that growth, and it would disappear right in front of her eyes. And that woman looked at me, like Brother Hagin says, a frog in a West Texas hailstorm. She went like this. Start blinking her eyes. She said, what? And I said, now, lady, now, this is not my faith. My faith would say, I'm sure glad you came today, ma'am. I'm glad you're redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'll curse that thing, and it will die. But all of a sudden, this something came on me. It's a knowing from heaven. I said, ma'am, right now, you go to the bathroom, pour water on it. It'll disappear right in front of your eyes. And my buddy Ross, he had the microphone just like this. He's holding the microphone like this, standing here right by me. He whispered in my ear. He goes, oh, my God, there goes the budget for the meeting right there. Because you're telling people to go pour water on themselves. Because see, that, that wasn't my faith. That lady, I, said, I told that lady, go! Take a lady with you to witness it. Yeah. She looked at me like that, walked off like that. And when that special faith kind of left, you know, I walked over to kind of the side of the room, get ready to pray for some other people. Started twitching, you know. <laughs> I just told a lady to go pour water on herself. Because see, my faith, I know she's redeemed from the curse of the law, but I don't really have faith for you to go pour water on yourself. I don't have that kind of faith. God bless you if you do. Here's a cookie. Go for it. <laughs> now, why would the Lord want to do things extreme like that? Don't know. Don't care. Just know that she walked back in the side door. Instead of pour water on that growth, disappeared right in front of my eyes. Now, why, why do we want a recirculation of these things? There's a renewal of manifestations of the glory of the Lord. Acts chapter 9, where we were, everyone that dwelt at Lydda and Saren saw that woman and turned to the Lord. So we, we are living in the day when all the messages you heard, they'll come to the forefront. Yes, I have authority in the name of Jesus. Yes, I'm blessed. I'm the righteousness of God in Him. And there is a platform for the Holy Ghost to all of a sudden begin to manifest even more. And you watch. It'll be seen where little ones, aged ones, do things that are way beyond what people thought they would do. And what you'll see is people being brought into the kingdom. A lot of people harvested in a short period of time. Because that's what we want. We want harvest. You know, I, I believe won't be long. I don't know what your next step is. I have no idea. But I know God's going to give you more buildings, give you more land. And I know this will be a safe haven to where God can move. You can have miracles, signs, and wonders. To where God can have a book of Acts church. To where we're all taught who we are in Christ. Normal. There's such a normalness in your church. There's such a peace in your church. To where there's not craziness. Well, there's a reason for that. Your pastor's not afraid about what the Lord will do in this church. He's very secure. And he's taught you to have that security. You can invite anybody here because it's not weird here. Amen? Well, with that, think what God can do without weirdness. Because we almost equated the moving of the Holy Ghost with this. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's fine for that individual, but in the local church, that doesn't work. I'm glad, I'm glad someone can have a, a huge tent and be weird, and those people can come to that, but God's raised us up. You don't work with people that will go to that. You work with people that know you. And, and Jesus is so normal that sinners want to go eat with Him. So God's going to use you in your normalness to have the Holy Ghost manifested. He'll get all the glory all the honor and all the praise. So right before we're raptured, we're closing right now, but right before we're raptured, I think it's very, very soon. You think it's this year? No, I don't think it's this year. I just know it's soon. I know it's very soon. Let God use you. Yield to Him. Follow the inward witness. Be led of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. 
demonstrate the Spirit. And at times you'll see manifestations of the Spirit. You'll see the glory of the Lord. But you bring to the table all of those messages to where you walk in a degree of victory that anybody can get near you and get a miracle. You use your own authority to get it, but they'll submit themselves to you. But you watch. There'll be at times where they don't even know who you are. You'll walk up and go, rise, be whole. Boom, yeah. that person will get healed. Yeah. That person gets get yeah. free. That person. All of a sudden, people are coming in more and more. What is this about this church? It's life everlasting. Yeah. His name is Jesus. You watch. There'll be songs coming to you at, at night. His name is Jesus, the wonderful name. And you'll begin to sing songs about His glory, songs about His righteousness that He has given you. He'll be magnified. He'll be glorified. And you watch right before we're caught up, we'll be talking so much about Him. Hallelujah. If He be lifted up, He'll draw all men unto Him. Hallelujah. I love the reverence that you have for Him in this room. Let's thank Him for just a minute before we go. Lord, we love You. We love You, Jesus. We thank You for these, these, these harvesting tools that we get to see more and more before Jesus comes. We're grateful, Lord. We're grateful. We're grateful for what we get to anticipate. And Lord, this church, Lord, Life Church, you raised this church up to have such a degree of power and glory. I ask you to bless every household, bless every home. Satan, you cannot hinder their lives. You can't harass them. They're the blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for your blessings upon their lives. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen and amen.